My name's Richard, and you're listening to We're Not Wizards. Tonight's show is a work-in-progress show, and it's going to be called Nothing Grim Up North, Just Greenbrier Games. Now, (laughs) I know why it's called that, and you will know why it's called that, because joining me this evening is a gentleman by the name of Stephen S. Gibson. Um, So, good evening, Stephen. Good evening yourself. How are you doing? Are you well? Uh, I'm great, thank you for asking, having me on. Yeah, because um, the reason I've got you on, a couple of reasons, um, you're all-round good egg and art director of Greenbrier Games. Yeah. Um, Greenbrier Games are currently running a campaign for the extension to the very much well-received um, Grim, Grimslinger um, game that was yeah. kick-started a little while ago. So we're going to have a chat about that, obviously, because we like because we because people will probably like to know a little bit more about what the what the Kickstarter campaign is all about. But before we do that. We want to find out a little bit about the man behind the game as well. So, (laughs) so it's not that evil, and you know, no thumb screws will be involved. But um, for people that aren't haven't uh, listened to the show before, the reason that we do this is quite simply because there's not enough podcasts out there about board games. Um, Mm. I've checked. Um, There's definitely not. You do not have to check. And the second reason that we're doing this is because there's not enough podcasts about board games where you get to speak to the art people. There's designers, there's everybody else. And I thought, I like to do a little bit of art. I'm obviously not as good as what the the type of magic that Stephen's producing, but I do like to draw on occasion. But um, what we do at We're Not Wizards is we like to have a little bit of a trek into the past we have a little um, chin wag about the present before we look off into the future. So, um, first of all, Stephen, again, thank you very much for going for coming on. Um, it's yeah, very awesome. short notice as well, and you're obviously very busy being in the middle of this, uh, being in the middle of the Kickstarter campaign, which appears to be running quite well. Yeah, you know, everything is going just peachy. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Um, so how did you get involved in the hobby kind of in the first place? What was your kind of your first memories of maybe mucking around with a bit of cardboard? Well, when I was a boy, my father took me to a store and he helped me pick out my first board game. <laughs> I'm just joking. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, no, you know what? Uh, I don't know, like anyone else, board games were around. Honestly, I wasn't trying to get into the board game. Uh, industry or hobby or anything, I was trying to make a video game. Okay. And it didn't work out. What was the video game called? Um, well, it was called High Moon. All right, okay. You you can look up like a trailer for it on YouTube. Um, yeah, well, I worked in the... I was working for an app company. I wanted to make my own app. I ended up losing my job. Well, like the whole company uh, crumbled. And then I was like, well, I'll make a game. And then one thing after another, it just didn't work. I was like, ugh, this is terrible. And I'd always kind of made, like, my own card games before. 
uh, just for fun, like pen and paper RPGs with friends because we weren't smart enough to, I don't know, play <laughs> D&D or something. Yeah. But um, so I was like, well, maybe I can make it into like an actual card game. And that's what I started doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's how I got into it. And then, oh, man, I just kept going with it. So is there games that you've, I mean, what what kind of games have kind of crossed the table um, in the last couple of years that you've kind of enjoyed? Well, <clears throat> you know, every time I do an interview or like a written one, people ask me that, like, well, what's your favorite game and everything like that. I don't actually play a lot of board games. So there's going to be some kind of angst happening for every listener right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll get because over it. You know, but... <laughs> I just have to say, listen, sometimes people go outside. They don't take tables with them, and they don't take board games with them. They just whoa, do whoa, whoa. different Well, I don't things. go outside. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I like I love board games. I just don't have an opportunity to play them uh, mm. often. Um, but I really liked uh, what Smash Up. That was a fun one that I've yeah. or played in the past. I just backed uh, Giant Killer Robots. That was like. <sighs> Such a beautiful thing. Such a beautiful thing. I don't care if it's good. I just want to play with the minis. Just the really, really big robots just yeah. stomping about. And you could do all different types of things with that. Like old Transformers could probably fit into that rule set. Yeah, maybe. I reckon there's a whole pile of stuff. People are just going to buy that. It's going to be like um, it's going to be like um, Dark Souls. People are going to buy it for the minis just because they're going to like to have little robots they're not really little are they they're quite no they're, they're they're amazing yeah pre-painted minis um yeah they're a wonderful thing i don't like just like tables of gray minis everywhere i know some people like to paint them and i've painted yeah. my own in the past but i don't know just a pre-painted one out of the box is wonderful <laughs> so that yeah so i mean that's that, that they're doing the unusual thing that they're actually if you want to get unpainted uncustomized minis you yeah. have to pay more for it yes <laughs> so i guess it's kind of like they must have a production line and for them to not paint something is costing them more money than i guess to get it kind of all kind of sorted <laughs> out maybe i think the unpainted ones are like an add-on they don't come in the box no no you have to yeah. i think you have to jump up a tier in order in order to kind of get them as well in terms then if you know with you you must have concentrated a lot on the kind of the art side of things so have you i mean have you been drawing as long as you've been able to kind of hold a pen or is it something that you've kind of gradually got into over the years no well yeah no i always love art and drawing uh never yeah no i always have for sure Mm-hmm. Did <laughs> I don't you... have a profound answer. Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I looked up at the sky, and a pen <laughs> floated down from the sky, and it landed in my hand, and I knew from that day forward that I was destined to draw, for pleasure and eventually for business. This <laughs> is my story. Nothing like that, then. No. <laughs> no. I, now I wish it was. <laughs> Well, you could do that. that. You could tell future people, because that would be cool. You could just pass that. I I can lie pretty well, so we'll see what happens (laughs) at the next dinner party. (laughs) Did you? I mean, um, were you when you you talked about earlier on about designing your own little games and stuff like that? Were you the guy that was doing the drawings for it, or Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah? When did you first kind of start to think that? 
you know what, I can take this skill and actually, you know, do something with it and, and, and create something kind of more tangible, I guess, than kind of like a video game, I guess. Well, I mean, like, when I was making my little pen and paper RPGs, it was just, I don't know, it was fun. It was like, you know, sometimes, you know, writers get writer's block and artists get artist block. Like, I don't mm. know what to draw, but, like, having this game... I like always had something to draw for the game, so it always like really funneled. I don't know the the art passion. There's always something to draw on there, and mm. then, um, I I wanted to become an, a movie director, oh, and okay. I lived in California for two years, and then when I got back home, I uh, went to look at um, like colleges that were open for art, you know, art directors, movie directors, and they're all full. I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> and I was watching an animated film, The Prince of Egypt. And I was like, man, I could, like, draw and whatever. I didn't realize how difficult animation was. But I, then I went to school for animation. Yeah. And uh, that's when I was like, yeah, I can be an artist. So how long did you go to school for animation for? Did you come out with your diploma degree type thing yeah it's called an advanced diploma i don't know what that means but it was a three-year program and yeah we learned like everything from like video editing like you'll see on like the grim singers kickstarter page like yeah. i made the video yeah um they uh taught us classical animation anatomy 3d modeling and all that stuff excuse me so it was, it was like a lot of a lot of things okay Okay, so what what kind of propels you to from going to thinking about playing games from drawing stuff? I mean, did you can obviously continue the drawing? You've continued the art, and you've moved towards make you know you're making a career out of it. But what what was the decision that made you decide actually I can make a kind of a card game board game out of this? How did that all come about? Well, when I was trying to make the app and it didn't work out, I'm a guy who doesn't like giving up. Um, and I really wanted to make like my own games. Uh, it's just like I, I can't avoid it. Like if I have like a free moment in my mind, it like goes to like you could make this game. <laughs> and it's like yeah, I could. So with the with the car game, I came across this thing called the Game Crafter. It's like a website. Yeah. We kind of like upload your assets, and then you can just like buy a copy of your game. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. I could do that. So then I started like trying to do that Mm -hmm. and figuring out like how do you actually design cards and like printing them out so they don't look terrible that stuff let's go where it started the game crafter and what was the first kind of i mean i take it grim slingers just didn't appear out of nowhere (laughs) i mean was there other games that you kind of put together that are now maybe nestling in a little tiny box somewhere kind of never you know never getting the light of day or I mean, do you have a lot of little, do you have a lot of boxes kind of hanging about your department with like different types of games just sitting there? Maybe ones that might actually come out again. Um, no. <laughs> well, I mean, there's this one game that I've been working on with my friend since uh-huh. I started making games, and it it uh, that's like we've just made a million different versions of it. Mm-hmm. With Grimslingers, I started out with something like really small. And it changed a bit, changed a bit. Originally, it was like Elemental Duels, then it was High Moon, mm. then it was uh, Grimslingers, and 
it, it was all different kinds of things. Like it was a minis game at one point. It was like a turn-based attack defend and then eventually to what it is today. So there are many various copies of like what Grimsingers used to be. <laughs> do you keep them? I mean, the ones that you do have, are they very, very precious? Do you, do you, I mean, do you ever look at the old stuff that you've done? you ever play about with the old stuff that you've done? Or do you just uh, yeah. kind of resign it to the back? The the minis version is definitely one that I'm going to try and resurrect somehow. Because it was pretty cool. It was the most fun addition. I just mm. didn't go with it because I couldn't make a minis game by myself. All oh, right. Okay. Did you use... Like, eh, just cards. Did you use minis from other places then? Is that what you did? Did you kind of customize them or did you get minis actually properly made? No, no. I, I just like... I had minis lying around for like Warhammer and stuff. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> you just got out with a knife and just like trimmed this off and you don't need your arm and you need an extra leg here and you stuck glued kind of all different kind of bits to it. Yeah. What do you think Grimslingers looks like? <laughs> I Mutants. think, yeah, I, th- um, it's the, the artwork on Grimslingers is stunning in two ways. It's stunning because you have the kind of the normal, typical people that you would potentially expect to see on the front cover of a board game or a character of a board game. And then you've got something like a Siamese cat. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of, it's striking and it's different and it kind of, draw, it kind of draws, draws your eyes to it. Contrast, um, yeah. Did you, I mean, is that a conscious decision? I mean, when you're looking around at kind of, did you look around at other projects that were out there at the time when you were looking at the kind of the art direction you were wanting to go for, for Grimslingers? Well, with Grimslingers, it was like, you know, I I didn't go to school for illustration. (laughs) So I had to like figure out how to become an illustrator and, um, like when I was designing like the game, like I knew I couldn't do Magic the Gathering illustrations. So yeah. if you look at like the spell cards for Grimslingers, they're like these weird orb things. They look cool, but yeah. that was born out of the fact that like I can't do what I want. I can't show this picture of this cool cowboy blasting somebody. Yeah. Uh, so what else can I do? <laughs> and <laughs> with the the actual illustrations, you'll notice most people are just kind of like sitting there. Yeah. There's not really any action scenes. Yeah. Um. Because, again, it's like, well, if I could try and do an action scene, but I don't really know how. Yeah. I mean, I could do it today, but it takes way more time. And I found that, like, um, as I was doing that, I discovered that it made my art stand out in a way that people weren't used to. People were used to, like, your typical high fantasy, like, battle scene. And yeah. it's, you know, all well-composed. Not that any of that's bad. It's just they're familiar with it. You don't really blink an eye at it too much. No, I mean, I, I'm used to people being covered in ice. I'm used to people being, you yeah. know, covered in fire. I must admit, I wasn't used to seeing a chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we'll kind of we'll get, we'll get around to that. But, I mean, that was, again, it's just one of those kind of, kind of unusual things. For... I guess, okay, one of the things we like to do on the show at We're Not Wizards is for is to introduce people to games themselves. Now, people will be saying, okay, Grimslingers, let's go and check it out. But for people who haven't had the chance or haven't, you know, 
been exposed to the game before. What you know? What's the game about? Do you want to explain a little bit about the game itself? A little bit about the mechanics? Kind of introduce it to the to the good people out there. Yeah, I would love to. So, Grim Slingers is uh, really two games in one. Um, you have one game where you're dueling your friends, and another game where you're playing either by yourself or with your friends going on an adventure. Mm-hmm. And um, the the dueling portion of the game gets sucked into the cooperative as the combat, and then there's the whole adventure on top of that. And it the I mean the premise of the game is that you are a Grimslinger. This mysterious being called the Iron Witch, who's a robot, has abducted you or made some kind of deal with you. Depends on the Grimslingers. You can read their bios. And he's forcing you to do certain things. Um, first, he's forcing you to train with the other Grimslingers. That's the PvP or versus portion. Mm. And then he's like, okay, now you know how to use your spells and fight. Now go out into the Forgotten West, which is the this place that you're in. And go do these things that I need you to do. The first thing he asks you to do is to hunt down a giant magical T-Rex. <laughs> so it, it's all very strange and bizarre. And you just hear all of a sudden, all of a sudden, hundreds of people's ears just pricked up and went hunting a T-Rex. <laughs> yeah, in a fantasy game. So I like, I love Grimsingers is all like about mashing things together. I like you know mashups and yeah so you know i love dinosaurs so i put dinosaurs in i love robots they're robots and so anything that i enjoy i just put in there and i'm I'm, it works if you play the game it works well you haven't got like um calvin and Hobbes kind of t-rexes and f-15s kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) well not quite like that Not yet, anyway. <laughs> you're just like, so, yeah, you're just so, sitting there scoring that out. Yeah, but anyway, go on. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, so the way it actually plays is it's a kind of a game that's very fast-paced. Mm-hmm. I like really simple games. Um, I wouldn't say it's like as simple as um, Love Letter, but it's fairly straightforward. You're going to have three phases. You have the standoff where you prepare your spells and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the draw where everyone is picking their spells and they're playing them face down and then at the same time everyone reveals and then based on the speed of your spell, you resolve it. And so it's kind of like when you reveal, you shout draw and you know everyone's kind of firing off their spells and stuff. So it's cool that way. Um, and there's all kinds of trickery like deduction and like figuring out what they might play. There's a rock, paper, scissors element. Everyone has the same six elemental spells. And okay. they interact with each other in different ways. And then on top of that, you have items that you can scavenge for and pick up. Um, and then you also have like archetype classes. And you have signature spells. Signature spells are like just unique to you. Like if you have it, no one else does. Uh-huh. And they do crazy stuff. Like it could be like every card that does damage now heals. And every card that heals now does damage. All right. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it's about fun and you know, trying to trip people up and kill them. Then the adventure is like, there's a story that you're working through. You're leveling up. Um, you're acquiring loot, which are the items. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a a linear story. There's not a whole lot of choose your own adventure in the core game and the expansion was a lot more, but it's quite a spectacular or weird story. (laughs) 
<laughs> There's that combination again. It's spectacular and weird. Mm-hmm. What um you put out um the first when you put Grim Slingers out first of all, was that a couple of, that was a, a couple of years ago now was it yeah when, it's probably two years yeah something like that because at that time were you just by yourself at that point were you with yeah okay I was by myself um. That was, was tough, but yeah. I mean, how how did you get on with the fuck? Because you did you did you organize the Kickstarter completely yourself? Put it out there completely yourself? Fulfilled it and everything like that. So yeah, so I, I didn't fulfill the Kickstarter because Greenbrad picked it up and then they took over fulfilling the Kickstarter. Yeah, which was sweet because I didn't really want to do it, <laughs> and it's the least fun part. Yeah. Um, but like even this Kickstarter now, I'm I'm basically the one running it and doing everything and the updates and managing the community too. Uh-huh. And it's nice that Greenbrier lets me do that. Um, but yeah, I did I did all the things, the marketing ads and well, everything. Was that kind of working at the same time as well? Did you have to take time out from a kind of like a job job while you worked on the first kind of Grimslinger campaign? Well, the thing is, I didn't really make any money at that time in my life. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I lived with my mom, which right. gave me the opportunity to kind of, like, not make too much. I was also selling, like, designing pop culture t-shirt designs with my cousin. All right, okay. Um, and then I, I stopped doing that to just, like, do Grim Slingers. So that was nice. When did, I mean, um, did you say you didn't make any money out of Grim Slingers then, or you weren't making any money at the time? Uh, yeah, it was even like the Kickstarter, I didn't, like, I didn't make any money, considering yeah. how long it took to do. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it was like, maybe a couple grand, but that was like, I don't know, I put two years of my life or something into it, so. Yeah, yeah. It, but it I mean, compare. but the game itself was kind of well received, I mean, it's obviously warranted enough so that you've gone into, in kind of, into the expansion side of things, which... Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the expansion and what that's all about? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, the, you know, the interesting thing about the campaign in the the core game is that, like, that was never originally a part of Grimslingers. It was just the dueling portion. And, like I told you, I always made pen and paper RPGs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, I really wanted to make, like, an adventure game. I just didn't think I could uh, mm-hmm. successfully do it. And then, the campaign was going and it was like really successful and I was like, all right, well, we can have like a solo co-op thing. And people bought it, you know, like they bought into it, but I literally had nothing designed. Um, it was just kind of like, it's going to be kind of like this. And I thought it would work. <laughs> yeah. But it, it didn't. <laughs> My idea did not. So Greenbrier, like they picked it up and I said, there's this whole solo co-op portion yeah. Um, and it's not done or designed. And they're like, okay, well, it's all right. We'll still sign it and you can just get it done. I was like, okay. <laughs> and, um, luckily, I'm not an idiot and I managed to successfully design like a really compelling uh, adventure. That yeah. I think that's people's, everyone's favorite part. So I also had very little time. So like, it's not a very long campaign. It's good, but it's mm. like, I don't know, four to six hours. Yeah. And... Um, it kind of ends like really open-ended. Um, and so it was just kind of like a taste of like what we could 
start getting into with Grimslingers. And so the expansion is now like, all right, now we're getting into it. And uh, the, there's way more solo uh, co-op content. And um, the way that it works is like I redid the map system. So it's got like randomized map generation with a, this um, deck of playing cards, which was yeah. done. Designs were done by Noah Whippy, and then I re-rendered them to look fitting for the game. And they're really cool. And so, like, you, you'll you have, like, an area. So we go, you're going into the Valley of Death, and it'll be like, all right, here's what the layout looks like. Here's the cards you need face up, face down, and randomly picked. And then you kind of move around, and you flip over cards, and different things are happening. And the story now is going to kind of give you options of which route you take. You're always going to end up kind of in the same spot but you'll learn slightly different bits of lore and whatever mm-hmm. by different paths you take. So, I mean, that's an important thing. A lot of people want to, like, I don't know, save the world or destroy the world. That's just not ever going to happen with... Like, you're, the player's not going to decide how the story ends. Like, I'm telling a story, and they're kind of playing along with it. Yeah. Um, but I still want people to feel like they have choices and can kind of take different routes. So, um, in the expansion, there's more creatures... There's a, a whole new leveling system based around not just like killing stuff. It's like achievements. So it's like uh, accomplish this difficult task in this certain part of the map. And then you get points for that, which you can use to buy skills and whatever. Yeah. So there's way more character um, designing on the player part. What else is there in it? There's, I don't know, all kinds of cool stuff. But... <laughs> It's really fun. <laughs> it's so much better. New creatures. Um, there's legendary items. So, like, each area has, like, a hidden treasure chest and a hidden key. And you got to find them, and then you get a legendary item. Um, yeah, there's it's really cool. It'll be lots of fun. Have you got... Um, I mean, is this the first of many expansions? Has... I guess Greenbrier saying, right, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll help take care of this for you. Has that kind of opened your eyes to... Um, other things you could be doing with the, I guess, getting towards being a little bit of a franchise, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, it really is. Because there's a story to tell and people want to hear the end of it. And, um, you know, I, I think the dueling aspect will only go so far in terms of new expansions. But definitely, like, the story expanding on it and like with the northern territory i'm also trying to create something where fans can start creating their own campaigns yeah so like this expansion is the northern territory so it's like a huge block of area um that people can start like writing stories within it and there's so there's the northern territory east southwest and then there'll be black eden and other stuff so there's there's a lot that i want to do have you already got kind of notes? Have you got it kind of planned out in your head about where you'd like to go and what, you, what you'd like to do? Um, yeah, yeah. There's a really cool story that is going to take a little while to tell by necessity. Is it a George? It's not a George R.R. R. Martin type 18 book. <laughs> no, <laughs> 18 no. book kind of keep them going kind of, kind of tell. No. I mean, with it being, um, I mean, with you being in the, I mean, your world building here. And you mentioned earlier on about like a minis game. Is there scope for you to take the world of you know the the world that you've set up with Grimslingers and kind of make a little mini game kind of going forward, or 
a dexterity yeah. game or a resource management game? Is there that type of thing that you've got the scope to do as well? Well, you mean like a Euro style? Yeah, yeah, just you know, just I guess like out. probably not that. <laughs> probably not dexterity <laughs> game. Um, but like the minis, like I said before, it used to be a yeah. minis game, and uh, I think it could pretty seamlessly become a minis game. It just needs some extra rules for how creatures behave. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I like minis, but if I made them, I'd really want it to be like pre painted. And I hear that's really tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, unless you're wet studios, and apparently it's cheaper to provide painted ones than it is to provide yeah. unpainted ones. <laughs> the and other I, option is like, yeah. Sorry, keep going. No, no, no. I was. What were you I was going to say the other option is just like standees, because that way you get like full art. Yeah. And it's still kind of around. I think people generally look down on standees, but like as an artist, like I, I don't just like gray models. Yeah, I mean that's because um, there's a one of the I guess one of the friends at the show now is uh, um, is Frank West, and he has got his Kickstarter coming out called City of Kings, and he is doing standees, and it's an adventure. Oh, yeah, Gives yeah, a yeah. tale. I saw a, that. That's what gave me the idea. Yeah, <laughs> and it's <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean um, his is all about standees and it is because the artwork that he's using I, I really like the artwork for the game and it's done in a particular style and sometimes if you put that into a mini you sometimes kind of lose the kind of the style I guess yeah and you totally would for Grimslingers like you wouldn't have yeah. the glowing eyes and like no the, it's always got this like motion with ash and everything and it, it would, the minis would be cool and there are minis on the kickstarter and they're cool but it's yeah. not the same as an illustration. No, and I can't imagine, I mean, the little kind of, um, is it the red panda or red raccoon? Uh, yeah, red panda. Yeah, I can't imagine him as a mini. You can't? I can, it wouldn't well, look can, as cool. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't look as cool, would he? Or he the could have his card there, I guess. You, you could, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> give them the option, give them the standees or give them the minis and then, you know, let them. And then, That's I don't true. know, get, some, get them painted up and everything like that. Um, you're, I mean, how much involved, uh, did you do all of the art for everything to do with Grimslingers? Yes. And to help everybody appreciate how long it takes to do a fantastic looking picture, how long does it take you, I mean, how long in terms of labour, let's go back to the Red Panda, how long did it take you to kind of put that together? Now, don't say five minutes and make me look like a fool. <laughs> it was five minutes, man. No, it, was it was 147 days. Well, I, I will say <clears throat> that at this point, when I first started doing the illustrations, it took me a long time. Yeah. I'd say like three days. Yeah. Um, and like if you ever, if anyone who's listening has seen Grimslinger's Duels, it comes with four Grimslingers. Yeah. That have a very different art style, a very different, but different art style than the core game. Um, it's a lot flatter. There's less going on. Those are the ones that took me three days. And the ones in the core game took me much less because as an artist, like you, you get smarter and faster and better. So like the Red Panda at this point, he took me, I don't know, probably like six hours. That's pretty and, cool. But I have my own ways of cheating and... And like, now that I have an established look, it's like okay, I'm just throwing this thing on here and that thing, and like yeah. I, 
I know what I'm doing. So, but if somebody's like, well, I need a cartoon, this or that, that takes me a while longer because I, I don't have an established workflow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you, um, I mean, is, is it all digital drawing that you do? Do you do hand-painted stuff? What, 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 what kind of medium do you work in? Yeah, I just do digital. Um, I'm the kind of guy who likes to erase a lot. If you ever looked at my actual drawings, there's like a million erase marks. Like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to get the claw on his right paw, and I just yes. can't get it again. You've almost yeah. rubbed... <laughs> you've almost yeah, rubbed the screen true. so much that it's gone through the actual electronics within the kind of the tablet itself mm-hmm. with like with the digital it just it's so forgiving um, mm. and it lets you cheat in a lot of ways so I like to do a lot of photo bashing and stuff mm-hmm. just fast okay. um, which if you're into that you just gotta you know be careful about what you're photo bashing <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> That's a warning, kids. Be careful yes. when you photo bash. Always photo bash responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. And generally, it's more for like, um, I don't know, like film, like film concept artists photo bash a lot because like they're not really going to show the art to anyone or sell it. No, it just lets you get the idea across. I think uh-huh. it's probably why people are, I don't know, stricken by the art of Grimslingers because it has like kind of this photo esque quality. Like they pose for a picture kind of thing. Yeah. And but then it has like that that illustrative look to it. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got the kind of the. Um, I mean, I do love this red panda, but I mean, even the cat <laughs> looking majestic, and the dog just looks amazing. He's little. He's not kind of like got puppy dog eyes. He's gonna go. I'm gonna burn a hole in your head if <laughs> if I look at you. Yeah. Kind of the long, long way. Did you just? I mean, did how did you come up with the ideas for that? I mean, that's the most stupidest, cliched, ridiculous question I could ask. Oh my goodness! And I think it's a fine question. It's just all, it's a question you, that must be repeated. It is, but it's probably you're probably going to go. Wow, this question, this is fantastic. What I do is I I flick through the dictionary of animals and I pick, <laughs> I stop and pick them at random, um, and then I just go ahead and draw them. No, so let's. No, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> That was a terrible idea. All right, okay, okay, okay. You should be ashamed of yourself. So the question is fine, but the ridiculous idea isn't? Okay, I see that. (laughs) So how it works. Okay. uh, What we're talking about, how I come up with the ideas? Yeah, that'll do. (laughs) (laughs) So for the the original 10 Grimslingers in the core game, those are actually backers who are like, ah, I want to make a character. He's like, okay, cool. I thought mm. they were going to choose like cool stuff. Like on the Kickstarter, I had like a picture of like a raccoon and a cowboy hat cast in magic. I was like, let your imagination run wild. And then everyone was like, ah, I just want to make a picture of myself. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so then I had to try and work with them to like make it a little more creative. Yeah. So like with the cat, the guy wanted his girlfriend. Uh-huh. And that's sweet and whatever, but it doesn't make for a good game character. No. Well, some of them actually did, like, they wouldn't budge, so that's what I did. Like, um, Daniel and Shanti are their boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't think they're married. Um, but I, I did the best I could with what they would let me do. Yes. Um, with the with the cat, I was like, well, you know, a bunch of other people are doing their girlfriends, whatever. It'd be really cool if it was, like, I don't know, an animal or something. It's yeah. like, well, I have this family Siamese cat that, you know, we really love. His name is Nuno. And we could do that. I was like, all right, yeah. And then 
with the dog. And then that was kind of it. And I just came up with the rest of it and his story and everything. Yeah. With the dog, um, that was Tony Galati and he was wanted his son. And I, I thought in the end that would be kind of weird in the setting where like in the story, people are drinking and killing. Yeah. And, and It was like his little son. Like, he seemed fine with it, but <laughs> I was like, well, can we do something else? So he's like, well, I have a family dog. That's a dash and, I don't know how you say that word, Dashun. That's yeah. that'll do. Yeah, that's that's. I don't know how to pronounce it either. Could be anything. <laughs> Dashun. Dashun. <laughs> Somebody yeah. else say it's actually Spaniel. <laughs> you're just yeah. you're just pronouncing it wrong. Thanks for that. Um, so, so with that one, we I did his dog, and uh, um, I just thought like I don't know what would make the dog look cool. Like I'll just give him a sword. I love swords, <laughs> and. It's like, how is he going to hold the sword? So, like, it, it really doesn't make sense. But if you look at the picture, he kind of has, like, hands. And um, All right. his legs are kind of weird. Like, he looks like he could stand on his hind legs. Uh, yeah. So, same with the cat. Like, if you look at the cat, he actually has a th- opposable thumbs. It's just hard to see. Um, could you imagine yeah. the devastation that cats could get up to if they had opposable thumbs? <laughs> well, well, we have raccoons. They kind of give us a good idea. Yeah, I suppose. They're kind of like friendlier than cats. Yeah. I always think the difference... Somebody always said, you know what the difference between a cat and a dog is? It's like if you if you were alone and you died in your house and you had a dog, the dog would sit there and mourn and cry and whine until somebody came along and found you. And they said, and the cat, the cat would eat you. Yes. <laughs> you know. You wouldn't have time to cool before the cat was kind of like burrowing away <laughs> to find you, to find your yeah. in your liver. Those sassy cats. So I, I do want to talk about the red panda. Yes, 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 yes. So I generally just try and think of like, what is going to be like? What would I find interesting to see? What haven't I seen before? Hmm. So I was actually trying to make a raccoon because, like, you know, raccoon Wild West. He's like crafty. Um, he looks kind of like a bandit, you know. Um, yeah, the only the only problem with raccoons now is you've got that flipping Guardians of the Galaxy. So anybody, it's true, know. it's true. So it, it, it would have probably looked like um, yeah. People will look at that and go, "Why are you copied Rocket in your card game?" And you're just <laughs> yeah. like, "Right, okay." Um, at that point, you just say it's an homage, <laughs> which is or, what I often do. <laughs> it's a homage. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, so I was looking at raccoon pictures, and I, I like I, I say a photo bash, and I try and find some good raccoon pictures, and then I change them up a bunch. Um, but they weren't, I couldn't find any that like really did it for me. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, a, a red panda is sometimes called a red raccoon, and I saw this picture of a, a red panda, and I was like, dang, these guys are like really cool looking. You know, they just have such contrast with the red, the black, the white, and they're like bear thingies i don't know they're really crazy looking so uh i just went with a red raccoon and i was like what would make him look cool like well let's make him like he's just tired of everyone's crap and (laughs) smoking a cigarette you know you know just like wild outrageous stuff that's hard to forget like everyone remembers the raccoon with the eye patch and the cigarette in his mouth it's like that painting of the dogs playing poker like it's the so bizarre that it's hard to forget but red red pandas just generally look quite annoyed, because they've kind of got the red cheeks, and then they've got the grey. It's like red panda disapproves of everything you've ever done in your life, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> red panda doesn't care if he has a cigarette. Um, you know, all, yeah. You know, there's this is me. You could you could turn this into kind of like a 
a big meme city competition. But um, yeah, I mean the difference between the I mean the other thing is as well is raccoons are just like grey and black. Yeah, you've got the striking redness of the red panda, which is which is kind of fantastic. It's but, true. It's true. I like so I like that. He's kind of wonderful. Then you've got the chicken. Mm-hmm. Did you just decide to, you know, we've gone one way through the alphabet, we'll just go back the other way through the <laughs> alphabet. <laughs> well, you know, um, chickens are like, I feel like they're very iconic of like the old West. Like there's chickens running around and stuff. Yeah. They're silly. You know, like the movie Moana, it's got the chicken. It's just, I don't know, chickens are silly. And I like the idea of, there's a character I, I had designed um, a, a while ago before I actually did the art, was Henrietta the chicken. I thought it was clever, you know, Henrietta, she's a hen, chicken. <laughs> and <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> no, so, but um, um, You're not going to listen back to this bit and cringe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to think of characters that I could tell a cool story about. So Henrietta, she's this chicken. You know, Icarus, yeah, in which he experimented on animals first, like that kind of psychopathic thing, and then yeah, went to yeah. humans. And, you know, he just didn't care about this chicken, but he ended up making this chicken really smart, and she became this really powerful witch, but no one takes her seriously. And I just felt like I could tell this kind of classic female story, at least from my perspective, um, of, like, not being taken seriously and being underestimated constantly, but she's actually, yeah. like, insanely skilled. And... Um, so that's what her skills represent. Like she's this amazing witch and, you know, plus a chicken in a witch hat is pretty cool. Chicken in a witch hat is very cool. And the fact it's kind of, and it's kind of my homage to Final Fantasy with their chocobos. Ah, right. Yeah. I I can, I can see that. But I mean, this is, I just really like, I kind of like, I'm a, I'm a bit of an art kind of fanboy. I mean, the, the other game, well, the, it was probably the game before you got involved with Greenbrier was Heavy Steam, um, yes. which I really liked. The I really liked the kind of the artwork on that, and uh, oh, yeah. that was a that was a good fun game. But and then you've got the last guy. You've got the little. Um, is this a crow? There's or... a crow. Yeah. So the crow is not its own character. Henrietta mm. actually turns into the crow. Oh, and right. like I was, I was going, you know, I had Henry in a plane. I was sitting there and I was like, would I want to play a chicken? Like, no, but like a crow is like, you know, who doesn't think a crow looks cool? Yeah. I was like, but I really like the idea of the chicken. I feel like women will really like the chicken. Um, <laughs> the chicks like chickens. <laughs> they do though. The girls really do like the chicken and they like the crow and, and red panda too. Um, but, oh, the red pa- the red panda's a given. I mean, yeah. you know, even though he does look slightly annoyed, he's like um, kind of Kurt Russell in True Grit. Yeah, he also looks like Solid Snake, kind of. Yeah, there is that as well. Kind of thing. <laughs> you expected David Hare. If you vo- have you put a voice to him in the video, or have you not bothered? No, no. That would be cool. <laughs> um, so, with the crow, I was like, okay, I don't know to do the chicken or the crow, so I'm going to do them both. Hmm. And then I was like, the chicken looks really sweet. So I'm going to stick with it. But this crow also is really sweet. So I just gave her a skill where she could turn into a crow. Hmm. And um, 
don't know. It's just cool. <laughs> it's just a cool thing. Like turns into this magic spell crow thing. She's not the chicken anymore. And yeah, that's kind of it. Does it change the kind of the kill the the skill set and her skills and things like that as a character? It uh, it makes her spells more powerful because mm. the the ether quote air quotes um, respects <laughs> crows more than chickens, so it's more willing to endow a crow with power over the chicken. That's just you know chickens lot chickens can't <laughs> get a, chickens just can't get a break. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of the campaign itself. Um, there's there's a bit of a buzz about it, as in it's funding. Um, you're getting stretch. You're hitting stretch goals, yeah. and you're now. Um, I mean, you've 14 days to go, so you've got yes. you've got a decent amount of time going, and you you you've basically trebled what you were after in the first place. You're set. Well, at, at this point in time. It being the twenty third of March, twenty seventeen, you are sitting at sixty seven thousand dollars, and for yeah. if and uh, of a target of twenty thousand. So, has that been a surprise to you? Um, a pleasant surprise? Is it? You know, is uh, it what you kind of expected? It's what I expected. You know, I probably shouldn't say this, but the Kickstarter game is you never ask for what you actually need. Mm. Um, because people want to reach success quickly and then they feel like, ah, it's successful. And then it gets this kind of momentum and then you unlock stretch goals. Now, most people like actually like say, um, what's a good game Uh rising sun. That's a game yes. where like they, they knew they would get a lot and they had like, they had all of this art done for all these stretch goals and all these minis for these stretch goals. So obviously they knew ahead of time what they're getting to they're not going to waste you know thousands and thousands of dollars on art that they're never going to use yeah and you'll see with like Grimslingers, like you know we're doing really well i i didn't have the art for the red panda stretch goal done it's like okay we're, we're doing good <laughs> <laughs> i gotta make some art now um, it wasn't all like ready beforehand yeah because you just couldn't afford to like i don't know do art for something that wasn't going to happen yeah yeah but other companies do so i did I believe very strongly in Grim Singers and that uh, with Greenbrier's like audience and like extra help that it would reach a lot more. So hmm. I, that doesn't mean I'm not super happy. It's doing as expected. I expect it to probably go to a hundred, 120. Yeah. Um, Do you but, have all the stretch goals kind of planned out in your mind then ready to drop them? Yeah, I do. Um, we have a number shown. We have a couple shown already on the page. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not currently planning on going past 120 with stretch goals, because mm-hmm. at a certain point, like I, I told everyone, this is not art, art related, really. But I, I don't want to do any stretch goals that are going to increase the amount of de- development time needed. And at a certain point, when you want to add more stuff like you can only upgrade components so much and then you got to add more gameplay and that adds more development time because you want that gameplay play tested Mm. and like if if um if you play test it prior like we okay we we know we're going to hit this and so we already designed this thing and it's well play tested but i can't do that like i can't be like 
oh, secretly I knew I was going to get 100k, and I had already finished this entire gameplay mode and playtested it months prior. Yeah. You know, like, it's a bad idea. And it's something that's bitten Greenbrier in the butt in the past. Like, with Folklore, they added so many things in stretch goals. Yeah. That it was like, oh, crap, now we're never going to reach our targeted delivery date. <laughs> you know? No, I, I mean, I've seen that. I mean, I've seen that so many times now. I mean, I think... Um... I've seen it with games, um, we even creators that have been involved in that they've had to send the the we're very sorry kind of email yeah. update out where they say that, you know, they go in and say, right, okay, we're going to be aggressive with this, we've got the files ready to go, and, you know, as soon as the campaign finishes and we know exactly what we're playing with, then those files will be sent off to the printers. Yeah. And then they start hitting stretch goals left, right, and center. And then it's a case of people are saying, "Well, your last stretch goal was eighty-five k. You're now sitting at one hundred and fifteen k. What else are you giving the kind of the people that have backed you?" Yeah. And it's almost like there's a pressure to keep. There, th- there totally I, is. Yeah. Um, do Do you think this is because of the bigger guys out there that you know have kind of the next kind of well, they've got the stretch goals planned out to the hundreds of thousands, even to the millions, that that puts pressure on guys like yourself that, well, you're getting a game and the game's going to be fantastic and we're going to get be able to get the best components ever. Do you feel under pressure to sometimes add in stretch goals for the sake of having them? Absolutely, yeah. No, like they, the, the big companies definitely change people's perspectives. And people know it and I don't think they... I don't think they care too much. <laughs> yeah. It's like they, they become to expect a certain thing. Like, yeah, I want free stuff. That's, that's what I want. And <laughs> you got to give it to me. You guys are getting all this money. Yes. And it's not enough that I'm getting a game that I want to get. I want to get that and more because yeah. someone else is giving you money and therefore you need to give me more free stuff. It actually doesn't make any sense, but no, it might but... if they were sharing the campaign a lot. I'm a little honored <laughs> about it. Ornery. Um. No, no, no. I mean, Jamie Stegmeier said there comes a point in a campaign where it doesn't matter how much extra money you get for the campaign. The cost of material gets to a point it can't decrease anymore with you. You can't ask for more discount from your manufacturers, yeah? You can't go to a manufacturer and say, you know how I wanted a thousand neoprene mats? Well, I need 1,500. And it's like, well, that's fine, but they're still kind of you know, you're, there's still $5 to make each in the size and the cuts that you want. Because you're not you're not breaking into the kind of like the hundreds of thousands. So you're kind of, you're kind of, you're doing quite well. Do you feel there's pressure right. to kind of be up there with the big guys? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's hard not to like constantly look at those campaigns and be like, yeah, I did raise 67,000, but they raised 2 million. So, mm. and you know, we're running at the same time in our game. It's not like the game's better than mine. Mm. Um, so it's like, it's, I don't know, it's like a weird value estimation of like, are we doing well? We are. I mean, like we are, but like it's, it's also so apparent that we're not doing as well as somebody else. And obviously there's, you know, you shouldn't compare your campaign to others. We're going to, I'm going to be able to make the game that I want to make. Exactly. And we have the money to make it and to make it a little cooler than before. And I do want to say, like, for any backers listening, I'm not upset about stretch goals or anything. 
<laughs> I love when people share the campaign, and um, it's it's nice. It it is sometimes weird when people have a perspective of like, it's not enough to get the game. It's not enough for me to just pay for the game, and uh, I don't know. I find it weird, but yeah, no, it is no, what I, it is, and I'm yeah. cool with playing the game, like playing the stretch goal game. No, no, no. That's that's, that's cool. That's cool. With um, since you you since you did kind of the first iteration or the version of Grimm's uh, of Grim Slingers, have you seen a change in the way that you know as you being art director now at Greenbrier, have you seen the kind of the the kind of the quality of art having to kind of jump up quite a notch in the last couple of years in terms of Kickstarter quality? I think there's a higher standard yes yes oh well i mean yeah definitely like before on kickstarter you could like way back in the day you could have a pretty crappy game like that was a game crafter like the game crafter all these really awful looking games they're probably hmm. good games but they're funding but like i don't think that would work now by any means I mean, do you do you look at games? I, I you I, I could take it in looking at other kind of Kickstarter campaigns. Have you looked at that and went, "That's amazing," or have you looked at it and went, "Well, that I, I would do that differently." Um, there's definitely some where I'd be like, "I don't like this," but there are others where it's like, "I'm jealous they have the resources to do this yeah. and have that kind of art." And it, but part of me is like, I. Like, as an artist, knowing that I could do it myself, it's like, I don't want to pay someone to do art when I can do it myself. But someone yeah. else could probably do it better. You know, like, the Grim, the Grim Forest campaign that's out right now. Yes. Uh, you know, top to bottom is an immaculate Kickstarter. Um, and it must have cost them a fortune in the art. Yes. And... Yeah, yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> I mean, it's no longer the. I mean, it's no longer the components of the game, though, is it? I mean, it's the entire campaign itself. You can't get away with. Here's a decent looking game that I've made, but the campaign itself has really got to look decent yeah. at the same time. It's there's almost like, like yeah. There's like a science to a board game Kickstarter now, and it's always interesting. I I love looking at people's campaigns to see like how they structured it, where they put things. Um, and how that alters players' perceptions. And there's like three different types of people. Like some people watch the video and then back. Some people don't watch the video and they look at, I don't know, like the first couple paragraphs and back. And then there's a person who's looking at everything possible and they're reading reviews and going on BGG and then they back. You kind of have to cater to like these three different types. It's just an interesting game. You know, like you look at the campaign... Uh, the Grim Singers campaign at the very top, I put this, don't miss out on Kickstarter exclusives because, you know, one of the mentalities is if there's no exclusives, there's no point in me getting it now that yeah. it's funded because yeah. now I can just wait until it's retail. It's no longer about kickstarting a game. It's just about, I don't know, getting it. And then why get it now? Yeah. But I mean, if the game doesn't fund, then the guy's not going to have enough copies to be able to put it to retail anyway. And look at well, the other That's what I was saying. Like, once it's funded, people's ideas change about backing. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, um, say, say like uh, Scythe, I mean, yeah. when Scythe did phenomenally well, but it did go out to retail and it was, you know, it's very, it can, you know, it went out of, you know, it, it went 
out of print immediately almost it's like gloomhaven yeah. which is the big industry darling at the moment which the yes, you yes. know poor old isaac's having to say you know oh i've run a really successful campaign but um he i don't know if he's been a victim of the stretch goals himself because he ended up producing such a box which is i don't know if you've seen the pictures of the box but the gloomhaven box is huge Oh yeah, and the components in it there seem to be multitudinous components, and he's saying, guys, I can't do a, just another print run like that. I know you guys are kind of wanting it and desperate for it, but and he's I think he's running another um I think he's talking about another kind of Kickstarter campaign just to allow people to get a copy of Gloomhaven, yeah. which is kind of a strange. <laughs> it's a strange place to be in that you could say, well, my game's so so successful, but. I'm kind of, I've not made enough money here to just go ahead and or reorder another kind of ten thousand copies just straight away. Yeah, no, I mean a similar thing happened to Grim Singers when it first came out. Nowhere near yeah. on the scale of Gloomhaven, but yeah, I mean they probably printed I don't know five or seven thousand copies or something like that. But yeah. Grim Singers was five thousand, and then like that sold out so fast, and then people want the game and they can't get it, and then but it's like. You don't really make enough off the retail to just go and print more. Yeah. It's kind of, I don't know, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, I think there's a lot of Kickstarters out there that kind of will get made, distributed to the backers, and you'll never see another print run of it again because the guys have just managed to make their money to make the game made and and kind of of know more, which can be a bit of a, can be a bit of a, bit of a shame. You okay as see as you are a man of art. Do you have any kind of tips for people who are looking at the kind of the board game scene and saying, "I'd like to get involved." You know, I kind of like to get involved in this. What's you know? Do, do would you have any advice for people that are maybe looking to get into this, the board game art thing? Sure, of course I do. Um. I'm a firm believer that if you do something well, hmm. eventually people will want to pay you for it. And the thing with today's climate of art and whatever, <clears throat> you have to find a way to stand out. Like, I, I have never solicited for uh, work as an artist. I I put Grimslingers out there, and then people saw it, and were like, I hey, do art for my game, for my game. And then Grimbrow was like, just be our art director. <laughs> and <laughs> you know um, and you're like, okay <laughs> yeah but you know and when i became the art director i was still getting job offers like weekly yeah. and the thing in the board game world there aren't a lot of like people who are both good illustrators and graphic designers in terms of board game graphic design i'm talking about like card borders and backs yeah not just the fancy pictures and yeah. if you can do both well, you will pretty much always have people wanting to hire you. The other thing is like, don't, I just said this on Facebook the other day, don't be the billionth person to draw a fantasy elf and expect anyone to care. <laughs> draw Even a if red it's panda. really, yeah, draw a red panda. <laughs> Even if um, it was really well done, I mean, if it's really well done, people will care. But generally, it's like, okay, another elf great there's a yeah. million of those yeah do something like a red panda or 
Um, or Your inbox way... is going to get flooded with a million <laughs> red pandas. You realize that? <laughs> I hope so. Um, but yeah, just just find a way to stand out, and that can be hard. Ah. Uh-huh. That, that that's probably the hardest thing is finding a way to stand out. The other thing is just, I mean, when people are hiring you, they're not really trying to stand out. They just like they have an expectation of what they want the art to be, and you yeah. need to be able to do that. So if you only have one style. That's okay. If you have one style, you got to do it really well, like really well. But if yeah. you can also be multifaceted, you know, like I could do cartoons or, you know, whatever. And that really has really helped me to be able to get job offers and stuff. So I would just say to people, don't suck and find a way to be unique. <laughs> <laughs> do you think people need to hold off and not, um, I guess, kind of cheapen themselves in terms of the work that they'll do for the money that's available. I mean, when you were starting out, did you ever get the kind of the, if you do this work for me for free, I'll make sure you get lots of exposure kind of thing? Um, you know, if you're good enough, like people will know they have to pay you. I never right. had an offer that was like, I'll give you exposure. <laughs> I, de- I definitely thing. had like low ball offers. Yeah. Um, and... That's a, that's a hard part of the art industry is like you need work. So it's either like you get paid very little or you get paid nothing and you don't know when the next job's coming. And so, and then there's like people in the Philippines or whatever. They're just like, I don't know if they teach them art from when they come out of the womb or whatever, but they're like amazing and they're fast Yeah, and they work for nothing. And it's yes. hard as, you know, someone who lives on the American continent to, meet the standard of living that you have and um yeah (laughs) it's tough (laughs) it's tough so anyway so um what's next for what's next for you then i mean obviously you know grim slingers is gonna it's gonna end up in people's hands I'm probably going to have dinner after this and okay. <laughs> play Mass Effect and Dominar. I, I oh, don't, yeah, with the, <laughs> the facial animations. I, I'm just going to play the multiplayer, not the campaign. <laughs> All right, okay, that's fine. <laughs> anyway. I, don't mean to, I don't mean in the next couple of hours. <laughs> oh. Well, eventually I'm going to die. No, don't say that. <laughs> too, too far ahead? Right, no, that's after... the bit. We don't want to end this on a dark... Thing. Um, and that that was Stephen Gib- that was Stephen S. Gibson who says he's eventually going to die. And on that <laughs> cheery note, <laughs> um, so after Grim Slingers, like after the campaign, kind of yeah. what yeah. happens? Yeah. So we have three months of development time planned mm. out, and then we're going to get on to Chambers of Hara. Yeah. So I have three months to fulfill all of my promises and play testing, and um, it's going to be challenging. But I've planned out the art schedule. The The wild card is always like play testing because there's no real way to say like, it'll be done by this time. But anyway, we're going to do those three months. I'm going to be doing a whole buttload of art. So I'm going to mm. be constantly posting art and making mm-hmm. sure the design is great. And then it's going to go into manufacturing for six months. And then while that's happening, I'm going to be working on Champions of Hara, which I think will just be called Hara. And what is that all about? That's a game by Walter Barber. It was previously okay. successfully funded on Kickstarter, and then Greenbrier picked it up like three years ago. They still haven't right, delivered. Okay. And it is a massive blemish on them. But Walter um, 
I'm going to be doing uh, redoing the art on that one. Because this one is, it's got like good art. It's got great art and characters, but it doesn't pop. So I'm going to be re-rendering all of the illustrations and redoing uh-huh. the graphic design. Okay. And it's a minis game. It can be played versus or co-op. The co-op is not really like a story. It's more like, I don't know, like a big boss that you're all trying to kill. Okay. And, you know, it's actually a really cool game <laughs> where yeah. there's like all these hexes of like different worlds that have collided and you move around them and different like events and monsters pop out of these rifts. And so it's kind of like an adventure game where you're also fighting other players at the same time. I don't know. It's really cool. I like it. And that's that's the kind of the next thing that yeah. you're working on. What about your own IP? Have you got a ticket? You, you've got other things in the pipeline that you... You've got the more stories to do with Grimslingers. Are you looking at anything else that you might want to get involved in at all? As I say, you mentioned the minigame. Is there anything else that you've thought you'd like to get involved in? Well, uh, there was a... I was actually, before I started this expansion, I was designing Grimslingers 2. And it was just going to be like a completely new game. I ended up changing that game to a, a different IP... And um, it is the pinnacle of my abilities as a designer of adventure co-op games. And it is the, the combat and the way you adventure and leveling up is, is absolutely like the greatest thing I believe that I can accomplish as a designer. And wow. I'm excited to hopefully release that one day. The combat is just like, it's kind of like Mansions of Madness second edition right where the creatures like the creatures know what weapons you have and like their hp like they their behaviors change so it's like if i'm fighting a creature that's stupid Hmm. it will react to my grenade differently than if it were intelligent and i don't know it's just it's really cool and thematic and it's uh it's about like it's really about narrative like building a narrative out of everything yeah and so your combat is like it kind of happens like a narrative. Hmm. Um, and if you're familiar with Grimslingers, like the creature cards, there is a little narrative that goes with the ability. Yeah. It kind of yeah. like, is that on steroids? I don't know. That probably doesn't make any sense to anyone. I'm just well, it say, makes complete sense to, to you. <laughs> it's really cool. It's <laughs> really, really cool. And when are you thinking, when's that going to surface then? Is that going to be next year now? Or? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe never. A work in progress. Work in progress. That's always, yeah. that's nothing wrong with having something. Sit- well, you you know, every artist out there has got something kind of sitting in the background. They say, I've got to get around and finishing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to be working on other, I mean, you've already mentioned you're, you're going to be working on um, some other Greenbrier games. Is this, I mean, are you going to be working on other kind of stuff that Greenbrier are going to bring out then? Or are you going to be more in the case of, as art director kind of telling other people what to do um we haven't gotten to the point i think financially where i can hire someone else to do the art like we have someone who does modeling and yeah and like stuff that i just can't do Mm -hmm. but uh it would be cool just to be like hey you monkey (laughs) do art for this game this way you're better like, if it was an actual monkey that could do it as well. You're going back to that red panda. That's what you're heading into. This <laughs> yeah. is what you want. I want animal workers. 
Stephen S. Gibson would like a raccoon, a red panda, a chicken, and potentially a crow to be involved in the next artwork for Greenbrier yeah. Games. You'll get on the news. I don't know if it'll be in a good way. <laughs> True. Uh, no, uh, yeah, uh, I, I will be a part of other projects that they're doing. That's cool. No, I mean, I guess, are you sitting now kind of thinking, you know, things kind of turned out okay? Are you, are, you know, you with sound my life? Ex- yeah, I mean, you sound excited, you sound kind of contented, things are going well with the Kickstarter, you know? Um. Yes. No, I, I'm actually a, a very content man, to be honest. I've got a beautiful family. Hmm. Uh, I'm not, like, rich or anything, but I get to, you know, work on my own games for a living and work on yeah. other cool games. So, But I am an ambitious man, so there's always more. <laughs> more to accomplish. If people want to keep an eye on the ambitious <laughs> Stephen Gibson, where, where can we find you on the interwebs nets? Going forward, the interwebs nets. If we were looking for you, where can we find you? I am on Twitter. It's Isaac Black Games. Okay. And um, you know, I'm also on DeviantArt and other stuff like that. I I don't know the exact URLs, but okay, you you can find me around. We can sometimes when you whisper my name in the dark of night, (laughs) I appear. You have to you have to include the S in the middle in order for it to work. If you just say Stephen Gibson, Stephen Gibson, Stephen Gibson. No, yeah, no, you're going to get some random guy at that point. It's <laughs> just going to get some random confused guy <laughs> turning up and saying, what are you summoned me for? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, missing, I'm missing the Bachelorette final. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I don't want to disturb that one. No, That's very important. <laughs> um... I, I think that is probably the perfect way to finish. <laughs> yeah, the Bachelor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, um, <clears throat> thank you very, very much for coming on. You're welcome. It's, very it's welcome. been, it's been, um, it's been a lot of fun. Um, there are, there are only a couple of things left to do. Um, the first thing is, if you want to keep an eye on what um, we're doing, and I still have no idea why so many of you do. <laughs> um, you can find us. We're on Twitter at We're Not Wizards. We're on Instagram at We're Not Wizards. We're on Facebook at We're Not Wizards. Um, you can email us, which is magic at We're Not Wizards dot com or dot co uk. Um, we're on YouTube as well. Uh, we have put all of the old. I've not filmed me because I just I'm not very good looking. Um, <laughs> but. Um, you need we a have, red panda mask. I, I, <laughs> I'm going to do that. But we do have kind of like we've put a lot of our old shows on YouTube because apparently that is the thing to do. If you've liked what you heard tonight, and you know Stephen has been an amazing guest, then feel free to jump over to iTunes and maybe drop us a nice little cheeky review. Remember, don't give us a ten because that'll make our heads big. But don't give us a one because that'll make us cry. So give us a five, because that's in the middle, and it's average, and we are decidedly average. Um, (laughs) There's just a couple more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Stephen? Um, 
No, I no. guess not. <laughs> I want really not. I think we want to be red pandas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the way to go. Stern red pandas that go about shaking their heads and grumbling at people while smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and the other thing to do is to say goodbye. So it is a goodbye from the fantastic, the wonderful, the artistic, the very interesting Stephen S. Gibson. <laughs> yes, goodbye everybody. I love you. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. Check out Grimslingers because there's a little bit of time left to go. And if you like your animals with glowing blue eyes and cigarettes <laughs> and a good story and a fun game, then, you know, give it a check out. We will put it in the show notes so there are notes to show. But until next time, goodbye for now. Bye, everybody. Bye. You want to clap? No, we don't need to clap. It's the end. Nobody (laughs) claps at the end of this show. (laughs) 